Welcome back, friends, to Visions Veiled and Violent. Last episode, we entered the world of Zayathe with the Blue Veiled Troop as they prepared for the last day of their carnival before the onset of a long and bitter winter, tasked with the troop leader Borag Begla to keep the peace between the locals and the performers. The young heroes started the day with an ill omen as my character, the fey-touched druid Moore, was struck with a terrible vision of death and despair. Moore chose to hide this ominous warning from her friends as they helped the camp see her mother Salvenza and her mysterious young ward, Bezzy. Just as Moore sensed a dark presence watching over the festivities, a ravenous bear came charging out of the wood toward the crowd of locals. And now, back to the show. When we last left off, our troop of five young Hanatas had been tasked with the leader of the Bondurant Council, Borag, to protect the Blue Veil troop and the Carnivale on the last day of their setup outside the town of Nevermore before they broke camp for the winter. But as they were patrolling the local area, one of them, the, the Druid Moor, was struck by this terrible premonition that she couldn't shake even after discussing it with the troop's serious uh, Mother Salvenza. After uh, Rogue Luthander had managed to retrieve some of his purloined weapons uh, from the young girl Vezi with the help of the jester Jericho, the group had managed to wander over to the wrestling pits where the giant Adewale and his halfling brother uh, Nevitz were about to observe a local ruffian try to win Jericho's favor in a contest when a large surly bear emerged from the woods and appeared to charge at a fancy carriage that just pulled up by the carnival troop. And with that, what do you do? So, last episode, before we, you so rudely cut us off, would Adwale recognize this bear as someone that we would know with our Blue Veil group? So, as far as you know, uh, nobody in the Blue Veil troop uses wild shape or polymorph or any of that stuff. And while the group does have a couple of exotic creatures in the animal pens, none of them contain a bear. More canonly, she casts, uh, ritually casts, speak with animals every morning. So would she know what the bear is roaring? Absolutely. So as the, as the bear comes out of the woods with this nasty, foamy froth dripping from its jowls, it raises a, a mangled, mangy paw towards the carriage. You can hear its in its roar. It sounds just like bestial cry of rage to everyone else. But to more, it sounds clearly in common tongue as "Need more beer." Uh, does more convey that? Yeah. So I don't know. So as soon as she hears that, she kind of looks to Etowale, because I think by this point she knows what he's going to do of just charging into battle. He's been picking for a fight all day. And she'll kind of like raise her hands at him and be like, wait, wait, he's just <clears throat> drunk. And kind <clears throat> of um, run towards the bear. Uh, can, can I can I ask how far the bear was? Like how, it's closing fast, obviously, but what sort of distance are we talking at the moment? Also, as I mentioned last episode, I'm going to roar. I'm totally, like, mimicking the voice to, like, belt it out so it distracts it. So, to answer Phil's question, so the bear is coming out of the wood line. It's about 30 feet from where you are where you are right now. So it's about 10 feet off the road, but about 30 feet from you. And when Jericho mimics back this perfect roar, 
you see, even in its drunken stupor, the, the bear shake its head a little bit as like its beady eyes dart around as if looking for some sort of rival or mate that might be hiding in the woods. Love triangle. <laughs> as it turns its eyes towards me, I like do a little like pose. <laughs> like, 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 hey! <laughs> like, to, to take a moment though, because you're a perfect mimic, more heard you go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's all more heard. Yeah. And so the the, the bear's gimlet eyes focus acutely on Jericho's form. You see it; its nostrils flares. It, it snorts. The foam still dripping off of its jowls, and it begins loping towards you in anger as the, the noble woman with the parasol on top of the carriage lets out a little shriek and, and faints to the side, leaving her small blonde child directly in the path of the bear. As this is going on, Adewale looks down at more. Can I beat it or not? Flat of the blade. Get there, Ade. We, we, we can talk it down. Um, uh, more talk it kind down of... afterwards. And Adwale is going to charge at the flat bear. of the blade. Flat wait, of the wait, blade. Wait, wait. wait, so as as it as it's approaching me, and he he's charging from the other direction, I like I do my little pose, and then I start wiggling my fingers, and then sparks start flying out, and I'm going to charm person on this bear if I can do that. Oh, you you can't charm person on a bear. Ah, uh, not a person, which I know I sounds discriminatory, but it's 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 actually in the rules. I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> well, I. I'm going to do something. Could I do like a minor illusion to, to make sure myself can. look like a bear? I don't see why not. I'm going to do that. Let's see here. What's his, his spell say for that? I think. Remember, it can't be any larger than a five foot cube for the illusion. Yes, yes. Maybe okay, a small well, bear at best. Small bear. Okay, I'm, I'm a little like hurt. Little baby bear. bear. A little baby bear. I'm, I am a baby bear. Okay. That's, that's what I'm doing. Baby bear it is. Jericho, describe the the baby bear you transform yourself into. So like I like you know like the sparks are swirling around me and I'm I'm like this little like cute, um, fuzzy, not mangled, not you know deranged looking or drunk. I'm I'm just like big wide eyes. They're like sparkling as he's like lumbering up to me. Just the most adorable bear in the world. Ooh, teddy bear. Does this bear? happen to be on its hind legs still or is it on all fours? It, it, it's on all fours loping towards Jericho at the moment, but let's see if... Is that kid still in the way? The kid's in the way. The kid is basically going to get bulldozed very soon. Mm-hmm. And this is true. Well, let me see if the... Let's see if the bear okay. sees through the trickster's illusion. And that is the smartest bear in the world. <laughs> the bear, the bear rolled a 15. considering it's drunk. <laughs> I was gonna say it's drunk though, right? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be like disadvantaged or something like that? You know what? I I like the cut of your jib there, Fox. So yes, let's go disadvantaged. We'll take the zero instead of the fifteen. <laughs> the bear, its bloodshot eyes widen for a moment as it sees little adorable bear cub there, and its instincts take over as it picks up speed to close the distance between it and the wayward cub. <laughs> I am going to misty step. In front of the kid. Okay. And didn't do what? I'm going to put my hands out towards the bear, like in kind of like um, a placating manner, and uh, use my speak with animals of, hey, you. <laughs> um, 
I, as I stand in front of this child, um, after coming out from this illusion of like a ripple in the air, um, and pull my hands out. Um, listen, you want booze? I got really good booze, and it's that way. <laughs> and I point towards the direction of away from the kid, back towards the woods. Uh, can what uh, simultaneously while that's happening? Can I make a a move? Is that all right? Nate? Yeah, please do. Please, whatever moves you want to make, make make declare the moves now, and we'll resolve them in sequence. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna basically run at the kid. My plans to nicely, if you can, crash tackle the kid and try and pull him out of the way. So I see the misty step. Luthander is going to assume that uh, if that doesn't work, he's going to crash tackle. But I okay. will pull out of the crash tackle <laughs> if misty if the uh, that way works. We've got so we've got the, the baby bear. We have speak yeah. with bear. We have dive tackle kid. What about Nevitz and Adewale? So what Nevitz could be wrong as, here? As the Adewale whisperer, <laughs> like when he sees it, like looks like more might. I mean, she's just growling as far as Nevitz can see, but like she's pointing and she jumped in front of the kid. So he's hoping there's a plan. There might not be, but he's like, Adewale, hold, hold, <laughs> like, like be ready to flatter the blade, but hold. No blade. Wrestle. Okay. I think the little baby bear is going to start sprinting in that direction that she pointed. And then I'm going to say bear in bear talk. In bear talk. So let's start with the, the dive tackle for Lathander. Uh, give me an athletics check. That's a seven plus a minus one. Oh, oh, God. Geez. Oh, God. Six. Oh, yeah. This so, is great. This so is going great. Lathander's he full bum rushed a child. You, yeah. So you bolt like a sprinter, the kid having no idea we're there. And at the last moment, as as you close the distance with the child in the, in the carriage, you see the little, little boy with his, his, his bowl cut uh, blonde hair turn around to look at Lathander right as you put your shoulder below his sternum and send him flying off the carriage. A little <laughs> Werther's candy going and sailing through the air, landing in the grass. It's like, as you just bam, dive to tackle this kid straight into the dirt. A perfect rugby tackle uh, on a, a boy of you know, about eight years old, maybe, you know, 60 pounds dripping wet. Oh, my gosh. Right, uh, more, can you give me a deception check on the bear? Sure. And you have advantage because you're speaking to the bear. Okay. 24. Now, okay, so see that the, the the bear's roomy eyes appear completely befuddled that this, this human person is speaking to it in a way that you can understand, and it sees the baby bear darting off into the woods, up on its haunches, and then turn and begin lumbering off to the woods to the northeast, you know, following after where Jericho's illusion is, is running behind it. Um, knowing that it's going away from the crowd, I'm going to follow after the bear just to make sure to tie that up. And so you see the bear, you know, the bear loping into the woods, you know, crashing through the underbrush as it's trying to catch up in the direction of where, where Jericho has maintained this clever illusion that has befuddled this this totally drunken beast. Jericho, how do you plan to, to end this chase exactly? Okay, so um, if, if I can do this with my illusion, I want to, like, stop, but have the illusion of the bear baby keep going. 
so that it like follows the illusion into the woods, woods basically. If I can do that sort of thing, I don't know. And then what are you physically going to do? Because you'll just sort of pop up out of the back of the baby bear when um, this happens. Yeah, I'm going to try to like dart away like and hide behind like a tree or something like that. And then just have send the illusion forward. Like, as, I guess just as best as like, I guess stealth probably would be a thing, right? Yeah, do the stealth check. That sounds great. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, so that is, oh, that's a 19, that's like a dirty 23. Mad, drunken bear rumbles past, roaring as it goes, you know, stomping off in the woods, chasing after this illusory cub that, you know, goes about another range of the spell 30 feet as it just disappears in the underbrush, and then the bear stumbles after it, snorting and snuffling as it disappears into the woods. <laughs> I couldn't wrestle a bear. Next time? Promise. So as the as the crowd is still you know it, it, gasping at it, it, this whole chain of events, a couple of the carriage men, the footmen who had been on the carriage, disembark, go and rush over to the noble woman to try to shake her awake from her, her fainting spell. The little boy rolls over onto his back, his his eyes wide and dilated. Make a medicine check, there, Lathander. That's a thirteen. Thirteen. So. As the boy rolls over, you can see his his eyes are, are wide and dilated, just like you've seen some of the, the lads who come out of the wrestling pen after Borag or Kalnase has, has whapped them a little bit too hard. Uh, and, it, and when he smiles up at you, you can see that one of his teeth that was there a moment ago, you could have sworn, is, is no longer there. <laughs> looks, he looks wide-eyed, possibly concussed at Lathander. Mister, Mister, you saved me. <laughs> Luthander says, "Yes, yes, I did." Keep saying that, please. With my spectacular uh, roll, I assume that I did not land smoothly on my feet. Yeah, you just used dive cat tackle the kid straight into the ground. Yeah, so we're both on the ground. So I, okay, I I heave myself up. There's a bit of groaning from me as well. But, did not go to plan. Yeah, and I, I, I reach my hand out to the kid and say, how, how do you feel? Look, the kid grins at you. You see the little, you know, the, the little pink gap where his coat oh, was. He's like, sorry, I feel great. I I saw a bear and came to circus and, and I met a hero. The boy just looks at you with his, his these very dilated blue eyes and just... Pure wonder, you know, that you are now clearly the most impressive person <clears throat> this eight-year-old child has ever met. I'm really, really hoping at the moment, I'm thinking, I hope he convinces his mother of this. She might overlook the missing tooth. Uh, so I, I take the kid by the hand and, and uh, walk him over to the, the footman. So as the, the, as the footman come and, and help to prop up the mother, you know, she's a woman puts her hand up to her brow and tries to take in deep breaths to steady herself. Is is Smedley all right? Is where's poor Smedley? And he pipe up I'm I'm here, mother. I'm here. I was I was saved by this hero. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm basically gonna try and blame the bear for the missing tooth. <laughs> if I can <laughs> if it comes up. But only if it comes up. <laughs> Can you can you describe this deception for me? Uh, yeah, I 
I can. So uh, I'm going to take this this kid over, and uh, I'm going to very respectfully bow towards the mother. I'll say Smedley. I think is fine. He seems to have uh, have have fallen in the, in the ex- in the excitement, but uh, he did. He managed to dodge the bear. He he seems fine, man. That seems plausible. Let's see what a deception check does in this situation. You have advantage because you disoriented. 19. 19. So as you see, as you, as you recount this tale, you know, with a, a little boy who's clinging to Lathander's hand, like, so tightly, like it's, you know, like you are a superhero in his mind. And the woman's still, you know, she's knocked on her derriere, looking up at you from the dusty road, and she blinks and you know, this look horror and then relief in her face. Just, oh, my goodness, I, young man, I, House Deverne owes you a great debt today. If you hadn't been here, who knows what sort of harm might have befallen our beautiful Smedley. Guards, guards, we must make sure that this man is properly recognized. And the, the, the two footmen look to, to Lathander and they, they exchange a look like they they want to say something because they saw what happened, but the boy's there and the mom is there and there's a crowd of possibly unruly looking Hanatas looking at them as well. And so the footman's like, yes, of course, mom, we'll make sure this, uh, this young man is talk of the town. Nevermore will know that he's protected one of their own. She, 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 she extends her hand to Lathander, expecting you to help her up. Lathander will say thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, it was what anyone would do. It was an honour to be of service to House Deverne and then reaches his hand out to assist her, her stand. Lifts up, you see this little, like, little flutter in her eyelashes as she's clearly impressed by your decorum and your chivalry and heroism. So this is where the part where Lathander actually earns a gooey rewards card of a reputation point with the town of Nevermore. So Lathander is now the most highly regarded Hanataz in the town of Nevermore. Through only through his own merits. Through no deception whatsoever. <laughs> Man. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I wish my friends had been of any assistance in that. I mean that was all me. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> you you all need to really you need to show up next time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh if they didn't That's hold me back. <laughs> <laughs> and so as uh, and, and as all this is, is, is playing out, um, right now Nevitz, the halfling, is perched on top of Adewale's huge, broad shoulders. Uh, Nevitz, give me a perception check. Hold on. Six on the die for a ten. Ten. Um, so you... Advantage, because I'm on a seven-foot-tall person's shoulders? You know what? Yeah, let's let's go for it. Let's go. That, that sounds could, plausible to me. Nice. Combined, we're nice. like we'll, we'll stick with the ten. Well, actually, it's a natural one. I can re-roll those as a halfling. This is good. Yes, this is that is technically I rolled, correct. I rolled another six, so let's stick with ten for whatever reason we want to do it. It's a ten. Ten, it is. Mm-hmm. And so, so Nevitz you know, sees all of this chaos going on all around, which of course makes for a, a pretty interesting scene in itself. But what uh, what you happen to see that. It sparked a little bit of curiosity is that there's a fairly clear trail 
from where the bear emerged from the woods. It looks like because it was drunk, unlike normally meandering through up and down the, the natural contours of the terrain of the forest, this bear just went in a straight line as the crow flies, stomping through everything. So when you look the right way over Atawale's shoulders, you can see this bear-shaped path going more or less directly into the woods where it had stomped down all the local underbrush. Uh, Nevit, you know, kind of reaches down to Atawale's ear and says, Ede, while I can't promise you you'll get to wrestle a bear, according to Moore, that bear came from a pile of beer somewhere, and we could follow the trail. I like beer. I know. I'm in. So are me and Moore in the forest right now? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to, like, peek my head out around the corner of the the uh, tree I'm hiding behind and wave to Moore. I'll wave back. That was, um, quick thinking. I shrug and just kind of, like, uh, dust myself off. Moore kind of just chuckles to herself and shakes her head. <laughs> and she's going to look. She's going to stand still and kind of um, tilt her head towards the direction of where the better ran off to see, to make sure that its sounds of it charging away are, like, getting farther and farther away to make sure that it's not coming back. Um, Edwalla is going to walk up behind Uthander and put a massive hand on his shoulder that could probably weigh him down on its own and be like, uh, pardon me, miss, but he has another job to do and we need his assistance. Do you mind if we take him away for a bit to help us out? So the Lady Duvern, you know, presses her hand to the chest of her, the decolletage of her frock as she bats her eyes again at Lathander and says, oh, no, 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 please. I would hate to take such a able and capable young fellow from all of his duties and wish all the best for this wonderful man who saved Smedley from a terrible fate. Luthander will bow and say it was an honor. All right, buddy, time to go. And, uh, and while they will pick up pace a little bit, at, excited at the fact that there could be beer at the end of this trail, or there could be a bear. Beer or bear, who knows? He doesn't care either way. He just wants one or the other, or both. He'll take both. Uh, L- Luthander's going to go and find his staff that he dropped early on. He'll he'll pick that up, but also... Uh, so we're, we're, we're walking towards the woods at this point. Well, walking is a little bit of an understatement. Adwal is pretty excited about this. So all the all more and Jericho will see is just a giant seven foot ten with a halfling on his shoulder jogging towards on a trail to the through the woods. Back to Moore's perception check. Is the bear continuing to go away? I also have kind of a question. So, like, Please are do. we in a different part of the woods, or are are like? Because I, I know, like, the trail of the bear, the direction that he came might be a different direction than he went. So, like, what are, are me and Moore, like, near them, or where we at? So, you're, so Moore and Jericho are about 60 feet off of the trail in the woods, you know, near some underbrush where the, the woods become thick and, and, and sort of thorny. Uh, whereas the other three are back uh, by the road just off to the side of it. So there's probably a, a total of 100 feet between all of you. You can hear everything in the woods. You're still close enough to hear the chatter going on 
from the road uh, with Atawale and with Nevitz and with Lathander and Lady Devern. Uh, and you see the bear has charged off in the direction you sent the illusion, which appears to be off to the northeast, away from both the town and the, the carnival itself. So the trail that the bear came from is set n- nearly due north, but the, the you send it running off on a tangent, and so in, unless it sobers up and turns around, it's unlikely to double back on you. I'm gonna like, um, like, kind of throw some sparks out of my hand, and like on the tree, I'm gonna at, like ask a question, and these like like words start to form on like a kind of like burning sparkles on the side of the tree, and uh, lo- I'm looking at more, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, Jericho's and it, it says, should we follow it? Um, can I, hmm, more would know more or less of, like, maybe not the effects of alcohol, but like bear behavior. Um, so would she, this might be a weird question, like, does she think that the bear is going to come back or is it like um, more likely to, because it's a bear, maybe just follow the illusion like will it be able to pick up a scent that it's not really a bear cub or is it too drunk to not notice or care and maybe come back angry so it, it seems like as far as you can tell from your observation of it that the the bear is too addled in its senses to pick up that Jericho had tricked it at all okay. and so it's probably going to not be until it ever sober, sobers up that it's going to be able to turn around and reorient itself which okay. might be hours away. Okay. So it, it seems that for the time being, the threat has certainly passed. So I'll turn to Jericho and say to them, um, under normal circumstances, yes, I would say we could probably follow the bear and make sure that it's okay and that it does not return here. But I think it won't be coming back for a while, and I would be hesitant to stay in the woods for too long after prophecies, not prophecies, death hanging in the air, all that fun stuff. Jericho kind of strokes her, their chin, uh, and the words start to reform like and reorient themselves on the tree. I have a spell that could perhaps heal its adult state. Maybe I could bring him out of it. I have um, a minor healing spell. Maybe it could help. During their conversation, Adewal is still running. He digs his heels in the ground and skirts to a stop, looks behind him, looks around him. We're missing a couple people. What do you want to do, Nevitz? Uh, I, I think we should wait for now. I, I don't think we need to chase the bear, but if we backtrack from where he came, we might see if there is ruination that he brought upon either Hanataz or the local populace. If the local populace will stop short of the, the encamp. But he might have been getting into our own beer stores. You want me to regroup then? I would love it if we could get back to the group, yes. Okay. More Jericho are you? Moore's going to look at Jericho and kind of pull out a um, small dagger from her robes and um, mark an arrow on the tree that Jericho's been writing the letters on in the direction that the bear ran and look to Jericho as she sheaths her knife. Um, I think we can ask the group what they think because, again, 
I don't want to be alone in the woods. So let's leave the decision to Nevitz. Four. Is, is it starting to kind of get dark at this point, or what's, no? It's what's it's the... it's it's right now. It's barely after ten bells, so oh. ten a.m. So that oh, the, wow. the the carnival is in full swing, and you've just started your shift, so you have a long way to go before you're off the clock. But uh, but the good news is that because the sun is high in the sky, it's relatively clear tracking on this cloudless day, and because it's winter. All of the, the, you know, most of the leaves have come off the trees, so it's not a difficult shot through the remaining pines to see where the bear has gone. So if if Nevitz can slowly steer his brother back towards the group, um, he would like to descend, uh, usually through the help of Edwale putting him on the ground. Uh, and he would just put forward to the group. Uh, it appears the bear is gone. Uh, our options are to seek out from where that bear got drunk and he's, is, he's looking at more to see that he got that correct, that the bear was asking for more beer. Or we can go back to where you may or may not have sensed great necromancy next to you the wrestling what? pit. I vote for beer that's and one, investigations. That's one for beer. Mm-hmm. We beer. can just go by and see if um, Jericho's suitor is in fact completely filled with evil and trying to destroy... Pravda, Bora. I mean, we're not going to be able to do anything about it, so I say beer bears are something... Who knows? Maybe the bear is in on the destruction of the world or something. Like, I'm getting a vision. The beer is important. Yeah, Nevitz knows enough to not... (laughs) Like, there comes a point where he's just going to follow more because it's easier, and she will do good things if if they take her away from what she really doesn't want to do. So he's kind of agnostic on this. We either find out where beer was destroyed by a bear, or we go and chase down what might be an evil premonition trying to come after the father of oh, the elders. But, but what if something happens to Borag and our family when we're gone? Hey, that's one and one. That's one and one. Luthander is leaning on his staff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not you may not have been aware that he was doing that. Take a shot every time Lathander <laughs> leans on his staff. leaning on his staff, uh, and he says, um, "My uh, my my people have memories of what happens. Uh, I've heard the stories of what happens when you ignore great evil, and uh, we gotta. Uh, he, he thinks we gotta go investigate the necromancy. It's a strong vote." For that. But I'd like beer too. Jericho. Um... As Jericho's thinking about the answer to that question, give me a perception check, Jericho. Oh. Yeah. That is a 17 plus 21. 21. Fantastic. So as, yeah. as, as, as the group queries Jericho about the, where they stand, you know, vis a vis world ending prophecies versus. Drunken bear heist. Uh, <laughs> you happen to spot through the through the, the these you know bear the trunks of the trees you know that have they've been denuded because of the winter. You spot this figure about maybe four feet tall, silver haired, brown skin, running down the bear trail. I'm gonna gesture to everybody and be like, uh, and point in the direction of the small figure sprinting. Where? And then just like 
put up my hands, like... Moore's going to point to the direction that Jericho is pointing and be like, that, that seems very important. Do we notice that what do we notice that the hair color belongs to someone we know? Yes, because it was the person that Lathander said he was going to watch after. If you recall from last episode last week. Run. Oh, oh. Wait. Was wait, so it was Vezzy? Vezzy, yes. Uh third option. Vezzy's running into the woods. Yes, you win. Let's go. We have to save the children! Yes, Moore yes. says as she takes off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then uh, Adwale will look at Nevis, hold on tight, pick him up very haphazardly, throw him on his shoulders, and just bolt him towards uh, Vezzy. Luthander just... So Luthander's leaning on his staff. <laughs> staff some more, yeah. <laughs> just the little shake. divot in the road where he's been leaning on the staff. Enough. Yeah, yeah. he just puts his head down, shakes it, and goes, oh. Necromancy next. Alright, All right, so uh so Adawale, give me an athletics check to, to pitch up with her down the trail. Vezzi is now running faster after hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh athletics six. Twenty-one. Adawale comes running down this trail and it's it's just freshly made by this enormous drunk bear smashing through the underbrush. So there are still roots and felled branches and you're you're swatting away all of the, the the remaining branches that are poking out in the trail that you keep them out of your face. And as you come lumbering down through this area, you see that the, the trail of broken branches uh, all of a sudden ends at the end of this, this track where you see that there's this dilapidated shed uh, that's been hidden, tucked away in the woods, like far enough down the trail and, and down the hillside where it would have been out of sight from pretty much anyone with, without any deliberate reason of coming here. And uh, it looks like the door has been just ripped off of its hinges, uh, not that it was ever started to begin with, and that the, the ground around it looks soaked, you know, with wrecked barrels and sacks of hops, like all smashed about the floor. Uh, and the whole place just reeks of alcohol. Uh, and standing next to the front of the shed, uh, you know, with her hands over her mouth, like, <gasps> is Vezzy, who's standing over what appears to be a body sprawled next to the shed. And Vezzy points to, to his, Adewale, it's a dead man! Um, as Adewale is sprinting, he digs his heels again and stops uh, spraying snow and dirt everywhere and then picks up Vezzy and turns around. Oh, you sh- I don't think you should be excited to see a dead body. Oh, but Adewale, it's so cool! It, it, it's kind of cool. <laughs> right, it's so cool. Like, oh, no, the bear just no. totally killed that guy. Wait, where did you see where the bear went? Oh, no, I I heard you, all you chasing off the bear and doing brave stuff, but then someone was pointing about a trail down here, and, and oh, you know, I didn't have the, the knife to go and, and fight the other kids, so I thought that maybe I could find something cool down here, and, and I found a body. Yeah, you- you're going to get us in trouble, and I don't want to be in trouble, so, uh, Nevitz, what do yeah. I do? Yeah, so, Nevitz has already jumped off of the shoulders of uh, oh. Adewale, and he has run up to the body, and is it a perception or a medicine check to see if this guy is alive or gal? Uh, give a medicine check on this. 19 on the die for a 21. Yeah, 
So this guy is super dead, uh, badly mauled. That's the um, only 19 I'm going to get this session. Badly mauled. Uh, he, he <laughs> looks like in in life he was probably a, a human man in his early 30s or so. Uh, but there's a bit horrific gashes all over his body. Uh, we have defensive wounds on, on his arms that have been sliced to ribbons. And then his torso, which looks like it, it finally killed him. So it, he clearly bled out pretty recently, but it's hard to differentiate, you know, from where you know, his, his blood ends and the alcohol on the ground begins. But it, it does appear that he's unusually dressed for a townie uh, because he, he's, you see that even though he's out in the middle of the woods, he's wearing this this strange, finely made fur cap. Mm-hmm. So Nevitz is going through a lot of stuff in his head. Like right now, he's trying to these, these clues are obviously something that are piquing his interest, and he's fairly morally driven towards protecting the family, which is the Blue Veil Troop. And like it, it's it's just it's it's born in him. He looks he immediately. I hate doing this as Steven, but uh, Nevitz has been taught to do it immediately. He immediately loots the body and then looks to see if there's anything of value that we can get before the cops show up to the scene. Like, effectively, you always do this anyways because a great evil has happened and there's no reason to let that evil not go towards helping others. Okay, sure. So so, so Nevitz begins pawing over this body and... While, while, while mentally trying to figure out the, the hat and everything, like, is there a check I can do mentally to say, uh, is this is this a, a town official here collecting taxes? Like, like why is this so out of place? Uh, he's he's trying to answer the questions while just going through the rote memorization of you always get resources for the troop. You never fail to do that. Yep, yep, certainly. Uh, and so, so you're, you're you're pawing through this, you know, and, and you're knelt down, and the, the ground is still soft dirt around you from where it just soaked up this copious amounts of alcohol uh, next to this body. And so that it's, the smell is so strong that it actually overpowers the scent of the corpse, which is sort of a blessing at this point. You're, you're, you know, raw hops basically crawling up your nose, the scent so strong uh, as you feel the, the chill of the air around you and some little snowflakes are coming down, you know, landing on the shed as if an, an ominous warning of the, the hard winter to come. As, uh, as, as Nevitz says, you paw through this guy's stuff, uh, you see that aside from this cap, which again seems to be of unusually fine quality for a, a random woodsman out here, you see that he's, he's armed, which is unusual for someone just wandering about the woods, uh, with both a, a, a short sword and a dagger that's been tucked into his belt. Uh, and then he has a, a this fat coin purse that you can find six golds and 19 silves tucked away in there, you know, all uh, stamped uh, with the mark of the Republic, you know, the coalition, the confederation of towns uh, that here rule this area of uh, West Verdestia. Uh, and then crumpled in the bottom of the bag, you find this yellowed looking note that's, uh, that's clearly not written by someone of education. The writing itself is smudged and it looks like this was just dashed off without a care in the world. But it's still quite legible that you have a note tucked into the bag itself, along with a child's version of a map, where you see in this chicken scratch writing, Dirk, we catched old Ferdebrim and worked him over for longer than a man should have been able to take, but he wouldn't give. 
Just before he'd done breathe his last, though, he said something regarding the old well east of the town. Now, there be three old wells I be knowing about. Me and Charlie gonna check two of them in the hills. We gonna be back in two days. He waits for them shazats to, to clear out and check that well and they're done right near that southeast end of the field in the woods. I drawed you a map to remember where it be in case you don't be remembering. And don't forget that me and Charlie be knowing how many gold was in them sacks. That signed Clem. And you see this scratched out little note that looks like that if you orient to where the road is and where the carnival is, you could guess what the, the well was that this strange note was talking about in there. Additionally, as you paw over this guy's body, you notice that he has these strange tattoos on him that look like, they look vaguely familiar, but they've been mauled so badly by the bear that it's, it's hard to make out where one line ends and another begins. They're, they're not quite decipherable. Is it text or is it a picture? It uh, looks to be a picture. Um, I think Nevitz will sit down and try to draw the tattoos to the extent he can in his journal and wait for the rest of the group to, to show up. Mm. I think when I do show up, I want to start poking around the shed a little bit. So as the rest of you arrive, Fail, with, the, with Vezzy still chattering quite eagerly about how cool it is to see this dead guy here in the shed by the by the bear, Jericho, as you come to inspect the shed, you see that it's, it's fairly sturdy. It looks like it's been here a while, not sophisticated construction, but clearly designed to hold this large repository of, of moonshine and other liquors hidden off here in the woods. But what you do notice, though, is with the, the barn door that had been smashed on the other side of it, where it looked like before the bear had gotten into it, you see this strange sigil that looks like a stylized, smiling demon's face with a crossed buckwheat behind it. It's been carved into it. Like It's not like it's a sophisticated carving, but someone deliberately took a knife or a chisel and carved this demon face with the buckwheat onto the door of the shed. Ed Wally takes this opportunity to give Bezzy to Luthander. He says, she is your responsibility. Don't, don't mess up again. And uh, look around the area, um, just around the body and around the entrance of the shack. And do I recognize this symbol at all? Uh, make a history check there. See if you recognize this, Jericho. That is a 16. As a matter of fact, when you look at this, you, you, you look at this and you can glance over to where you see where Nevitz has also been inspecting the tattoos on this guy. And you recognize two things that, that jump out at you with this. The first is that the marking on the door roughly matches, if you were to mentally patch over the holes in this guy's body that the bear made, matches the tattoo, the most intricate of the tattoos that was on this guy's chest at one point. You also remember several of the locals from Nevermore had come around to the carnival, to the tattoo parlor, questing this same tattoo. Did I uh, recognize any specific locals that asked for that tattoo? Townies all tend to kind of look the same after a while, and so there's probably nobody that jumped out at you, but it it, it does pop up in your mind that, that more than a few people had, had walked by requesting something that looked very similar to this, 
more or less like once or twice a day for every day that you've been here and you've been here for the better part of a week. But Jericho, how would you describe to the rest of the folks this this symbol that you found on the door? I'm going to summon a big red arrow that's pointing at the symbol and be like, I'll, and I'll kind of summon another like scrawling wall of text underneath the symbol that says, someone at the tattoo parlor is giving people this symbol on their body. What does that mean? Because there's like this like kind of scrawling over underneath this um, like buckwheat demon symbol um, as like the, the letters are underneath it. Adwala gets super close to the sigil and squints at it, rubbing it, rubbing his luscious beard and mm, looks religious. As soon as you say that, more spits on the ground. As more spits on the ground, give me a wisdom save. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 13. So more, you spit on the ground. As you spit on the ground, you you feel this chill, like this, like a, a blast of Arctic wind shake the tree branches. You, know, you see the little bits of the, the smallest of the branches flaking off as twigs fly around. And as the temperature plummets around you, the body that Nevitz is standing next to you that had just, you know, he just finished pawing through and taking the coin purse, rolls over onto its back, and the man sits up and looks at you with these milky, dead eyes, and he groans, Vardrai. When you blink, you look and nothing of that has happened. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, great. Uh, do I recognize that name? Make a history check. Cool, go, go, go. And that one for a three. Nope. <laughs> no, it's, it's, nope, it's, uh, who knows what he said? And it's, it's all total blank. You know, coming up with nothing. To, um, and just just to be clear, this was a vision more, for more rather than a thing that happened to correct. everyone could yep. see. Yeah, okay. Just. I'll just kind of like, Moore's body visibly locks up um, and she like, takes deep breaths to kind of calm herself down as she clutches, um, you know, white knuckled onto her staff and just kind of takes a steadying breath, trying to ground herself. And she'll kind of look to the group of what they're up to and just kind of for door and just see if anyone in the group reacts to that name or if anyone has any input, but she's not going to mention the vision part of it. Would any of us or Ad, Ad Balin realize that it's religious or otherwise? Well, I mean, it's, how would Adewale react if if someone just you know, non sequitur turned and said, "Border"? I don't know. Does he know what it knows? Does he know what that word means to him? It sounds what? like nonsense. Is that a is that a is that food? I'm hungry. Assuming that Luthander doesn't know that word either, notes the. Uh, Vorder goes over to investigate the carving to see if it means anything, which, coming from the north, is there anything that he recognises or that seems familiar to him, given his history, Nate? Yeah, sure. Uh, give me a history check there, Lathander. That is a, a 17. 17. So, Lathander, you're not familiar with this 
specific symbol, but you do know that it's pretty common, especially in the seedier parts of the Republic, for okay. for smuggling and uh, for thieves' guilds, sort of illicit criminal activity to identify themselves with a sort of sign. So it's pretty common for them to have a, a brand that they use to both show their allegiance by having literal skin in the game uh, and mm-hmm. also a sort of a, a way of showing their commitment and the, to, for them to not be messed with by the local town guard. So you're not, you're not familiar with this specific symbol, but you've seen things like it before. Luthander does have a criminal network that he can use, um, but he's not familiar with this. He hasn't seen it before, is what you're saying. He's, he's just aware of these sorts of things. And it looks like the sort of thing you'd expect from a thieves' guild, but okay. you're not familiar with this particular one. Particular one, which either means that they're they're either new or local or both. Okay, I'm going to pass this on to the to the others in the group. Uh, I'm going to say this looks uh, a lot like something you'd expect in some sort of criminal gang, but I haven't seen it before. And I assume they would all know that I have a network. I, I would have mentioned that to them earlier when we were getting to know each other. I mean, having been tipped off to this uh, sigil by Jericho's uh, script, Nevitz would have put this in the his journal to annotate it next to the the broken tattoo. This obviously making more sense with the the devil's face, with looks like barley stalks coming out behind it. Um, so, background: Nevitz has been with the Blue Veil troops since he was an infant, and as a result, he has regional knowledge. And so he, he's trying to piece this all together. I think when he probably looks up and sees his sister more, you know, friend more, uh, say Verdor, and she's been having a day, and like she's been having like the last two hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has regional knowledge. So if it's related to history or religion related to Western Vedestria, I would have uh, advantage to see if I understand the name, if there's any connection between that and the sigil. Sure. So I think that based on what the information Lathander is able to pass along to Nevitz, Nevitz has certainly heard of some local criminal organization based here in Nevermore. They've been relatively small scale thus far, and so they haven't been a, a major regional player, but you certainly know that there there is some sort of organized crime quite local to here, and although you wouldn't know of their specific symbol, you can probably piece two and two together that this looks like their property, although obviously the bear did its own handiwork. And Verdor, Verdor sounds like it's related to the secular occurrence of the sigil. Oh, that just sounds like nonsense. You have no okay. idea what Moore That's said. fair. I guess in that case, just kind of looking up at Moore's probably got a look on her face that's, again... I won't say unhappy, but she doesn't want to be here. Um, he would hand her the, the crumpled up the yellow piece of paper with the text just to take her mind off of whatever is distressing her. And then, you know, she can pass it around afterwards. But he definitely lets the folks know that there is something afoot. Yeah, um, more will reach down and take the paper from Nevitz and be like, <clears throat> kind of shake herself off of this feeling and just trying to not acknowledge it. It's not happening if you don't acknowledge it. And so she takes the paper and just, wow, that's um, good find. Now it's Wells. We should be following the Wells and she'll go to whoever, probably um, Lathander, who's outside the shed and give it to him to read and just be like, well, Wells, who knew? Well, well, well. 
And meanwhile, the Vezi still Vezi still held aloft by Atawale, you know, by the by her nape as if I recall her. A treasure map? Is that a real treasure map? Vezi, we're going back to camp. But treasure map. But you almost got me killed. I feel like Bogar would have definitely put me in the ground. He is very capable of doing that. As then he shudders and just remembering as Bogart is being one of the only people to actually thoroughly discipline him. He just shudders a little bit. <laughs> no, we go back. And Luthanda takes the note from Moore, folds it up and holds it tight, doesn't put it in his pocket. He's seen how that works uh, with Vezzy. And, uh, and and he says to Nevitz, how fast can you sketch? Uh, what do you could, could, you, could you copy sketch? this? How, far, how long would it take to copy? Uh, three minutes. Yep. And he he, he picks let's, up what you're putting down. And okay. yeah, he puts it in his journal. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, he, he snaps a book. And during that time, you again, I think Hanatas just... Nevitz is splitting out the, the gold and the silver uh, between us. Because if someone did catch us, it would never be the amount that was stolen off the person's bodies. We'd, you know, we just cross load. Um, it all goes into the same pot. Genius. <laughs> yes. Halfling uh, ingenuity. Yeah, well, Hanatas. Uh, and yeah, he copies it. And then it's kind of a look of, do we burn it? Do we bury it? Do we do it? And I guess at the same time, he would look up to Jericho and Etiwale and more that we're kind of trying to cover our tracks. That They only see bear tracks come up and kill this guy. And they don't see a bunch of Hanatas tracks come up to the death scene. Somehow noticing the uh, intent to hide our tracks, Adwale will usher everyone out of the shack here and then give Bezzy to one of the other taller people or Nevis, whoever wants Bezzy. And someone else. Someone else. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm, my hands are busy. Sorry. Luthander gets the short stick. There you go, Luthander. It's she's yeah. all yours. And he will motion them to get away from the shack, move behind the shack, and he wants to push it over. Okay, yeah, uh, give me an athletics check on that to just push the shack over. Are you, really quick, are you pushing it over the body or are you just pushing it? In oh, yeah, over the body. I would um, more, when you brace, go to brace yourself against the shack, she would put her hand on your arm and be like, um, in my uh, village I'm from, we have to say um, some parting words to the dead, whether we respect them or not. So if you could just give me a moment before you do whatever you're about to do. No. Okay. And more will go over to the body and kneel next to it um, and put her head down as if almost in prayer. And she'll get close to this body. And after the day she's had, she's shaken to her core and she doesn't want any part of what's going on. And so she whispers to this body, leave me alone. And don't go to someone else. Leave me out of and then she'll do like whatever the equivalent of like a cross is just to like look to the group like, oh, I've been praying. I'm not doing anything suspicious and um, stand up and not to Adewale to push over her shed. All right. What you got, Coda? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well-built shed. <laughs> Will a 12 do? 12. Okay. So, so Atawale puts his shoulder into it and you see him 
push into the shed, you know, and that's the the earth is soft, you know, because it's been soaked in this alcohol, and the shed was was hastily constructed to begin with, uh, and so but you see him, you know, make this one last big push. As he, as he does so, you hear this loud creaking sound as Atawale crashes through the wall of the shed, smashing through it, Kool-Aid man style, making a giant Atawale-sized imprint through the wall and come stumbling out through the front of the shed with the other posts of the shed still standing tall. You've knocked down the entire wall of the shed with a big man-shaped hole in it as you know, the snow is starting, snowflakes starting to land in your hair, but the shed is still there. <laughs> you do now smell thoroughly of alcohol with you know, this ruddy mud all over your boots. Hey, hey, hey. I like uh, the smell. Mm. I don't like that I didn't do it. I have a mechanical question. What you got, Foxy? So, uh, can I hit a shed with Thunderwave? You sure can. I'm, I'm just going to put my hand on his shoulder. As you... As Jericho does that. He has his great sword in his hand, like ready to hack it to pieces. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> boom! I'm gonna hit it with thunder wave, like just knock the whole shed down. All right, so we, there's the loud boom. The whole shed goes flying, splintering to pieces in all directions. You know, picking up the body and sending it tumbling through the air as it lands on top of some broken barrels. It generally just looks like massive blast force has ripped through the shed. And the nearest of the tree trunks next to it is totally stripped free of bark and some of them toppling over with a loud crash in the woods. So you feel the ground shake all around you as this noise echoes all the way down the forest valley. But the shed is gone. Uh, Luthander says, let's get out of here. Fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Last question, Nate. Is there any barrels of beer that are not broken apart to still have alcohol? No, the, the bear was quite thorough, unfortunately. Okay. okay, That's actually better. I was, okay. That's a prevent defense. I was going to break them. Okay, we're good. Uh, Luthander suggests we move fast, but uh, that we cover our tracks so that there's no path back. To... Do we want to go back at all, or do we want to do a circuitous route to where this other well is, where there may well be bags of gold? Yeah, Luthander likes the sound of that. Uh, yeah, the wells. Which I'm so curious. What's that as well? The Bogar. Jericho starts rubbing her, their hands together. Like Nevitz isn't great at navigation, but like he kind of opens up the journal so we can all see the uh, the map, and he'll kind of let whoever feels the most certain about following from you know the road circumventing the carnival to get around to the back of the well. May I remind you that we have small child. I think it's best that we just keep Vessi with us because she's going to find trouble and it might as well be under our supervision. The little girl just beams, like smiling from ear to ear at the prospect of being taken along on a treasure map adventure. So as as the group gets together, you come up along the the royal road and you manage to skirt your way around the edge of camp, you know, trying to discreetly avoid uh, any onlookers when uh, I would like Adewale to make a perception check. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 18. Hold 18. on. 18. Okay, so you hear this this loud commotion 22. in the direction of the, of the wrestling pit. Uh, and as you, as you feel from the distance, you know, off on the, the outskirts of the camp, 
you see the you know, the huge, burly, scarred townie, you know, like who looks like he's now you know, red-faced and belligerent, you know, like, like throwing off some other townie who'd been trying to pull him back to the side of the ring. You see that uh, the, the half-orc woman, uh, Kalnase, uh, who is uh, Borag's wife and one of the leaders of the, of the troop, is has her hands up. She's calmly trying to explain, Oh, sir, you have won game honorably, you know, and you win prize. You know, let us get, let us sort out coin. And the loud townie, you know, roars in fury. No, I don't want no coin. I want the purple woman. And that's where we'll pause for tonight and come back for next episode next week. <laughs> God, it's just one disaster to the next. Yeah. That is kind of the idea, actually. For rolling games. <laughs> I'm glad, glad you're picking up on that, Steve. It was uh, just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Forewarning. Edwall is running again. <laughs> hey everybody. Thanks for joining us on Visions Veiled and Violent, a D&D actual play of Gooey Cube's Darkest Dream Adventure from the Red Star Rising campaign. All artwork, names, locations, and characters from the dark world of Zyathe are the sole property of GooeyCube and used with permission. Check out all their maps, adventures, and other original content at GooeyCube.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please like, rate, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. For those of you who want to support the show and gain access to episodes before anyone else, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at the $3 tier. Your support keeps the torches lit and the dice rolling, ensuring that our adventures continue to unfold. If you want to dive even deeper into the world, don't forget to visit our website at www.copperdragon.net. There you can follow along with our adventures, explore character backgrounds, and immerse yourself in the lore that fuels our campaign. A special thank you to Tabletop Audio for providing the fantastic music that accompanied this episode. A final thank you to our colleague Seb, aka Shiro XIX at DeviantArt, for all the player character art that was created. Remember, you don't know the burdens others have carried to arrive at your gaming table, so be kind, Hua. Safe travels until next week when we return to Visions Veiled and Violent.